If you brought a copy of scripture with you this morning, you can find John chapter 16, but actually we're going to be putting a lot of scripture up on the monitor and you can just look at it there, take screenshots, whatever you got to do. At any rate, this is the second part of a message we began a couple of weeks ago, but if you weren't with us, no problem. We're going to take plenty of time for a review, okay? This is a walk through the Holy Spirit, but as we get going, uh, I just want to remind you, and some of you, just this isn't a reminder, just knowledge to you. About 10 days ago, all of the Engage Network leaders, pastors, elders, deacons, and uh, most of their paid servants came together at this venue, and, uh, and we just had a very concentrated time of remembering the things God has done in all of our churches and the hundreds and I don't think I'm exaggerating, thousands of souls that have been saved as a result of this venture that began in 2005 and now is 4,000 people strong. And the very next church is this one you're looking at, Eden Church, in one month. Amen? So just uh, yesterday, they had a pre-launch party in the park. Some of you were there. It was a great time. Uh, just hundreds of people from the community that they are reaching. Actually, a big shout out to Redeemer Church in Winterset, who brought up, brought up a bunch of people to work, work on homes and yards and, and such throughout the day in their neighborhood. And then, wait, what's so funny? What did I miss here? Anyway, uh, you want to fill me in on this here, Paul? <laughs> no. So anyway, the Redeemer Church was up here. Uh, and serving all uh, day, and they were cooking, just doing all kinds of things. It was just a tremendous, tremendous time. And as I mentioned, the church starts in a month. All of this, we sense, has been a leading of God. And if, it's, if, it's, if you're getting the leading of God, you're getting the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. You know, when you read about the Holy Spirit and his works in the Bible, and particularly in the New Testament, it's almost amusing when Bible uh, preachers try to explain his work, as some of you have heard me say before, you don't explain power, you just experience power. And the Holy Spirit is heaven-sent power. And he's more than that, he's, he's personality as well, and we've talked about that in days gone by, but when he came and the church began at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, he came in power. There was this rushing wind. Uh, the place was filled. It shook. And then he revealed himself. And some of you have seen these, this classical picture. He revealed himself as what the Bible describes as cloven tongues of fire over the what? Over the heads of the believer. Why do I point that out? I'll tell you when we circle back toward the end of the message. And even just to show you how, how ignorant God's people were of the Holy Spirit then, 20 years later, the Apostle Paul on his third missionary journey, this wasn't his first rodeo, he's going back to Ephesus, he runs into a dozen people who, well, let's just look at it here, Acts chapter 19, here's what it says. And it happened while, that while Paulus was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, there were 12 of them. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, you mean the third person of the Godhead, the one who's omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient? That's not what, how they reply, is it? 
No, they said, what are you talking about? Holy Spirit, what in the world is that? Well, if he was misunderstood then, he's still two millennia later, still misunderstood, is he not? And so he is God. We continually point that out. He is, he is the third person in the Godhead. He possesses all of the attributes, all of the characteristics of God, including personality. And from time to time, the scripture will mention our triune God, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, in one breath, so to speak. Uh, here's one I sent out in an email just the other day from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, second person of the Godhead, and the love of God the Father, first person of the Godhead, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, be with you all. So there in one breath you have our triune God. The more familiar passage, and many of you have probably even memorized it, is the one where Jesus gives the Great Commission he tells his disciples, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. And notice in the name, singular, one God, three persons, right? In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Several years ago, I began to contemplate the multifaceted works of the Holy Spirit. And he, is, he does have a multifaceted, incredibly dynamic ministry on earth now uh, amongst unbelievers, amongst believers, and, and amongst just the world itself. And sometimes when you read the Bible, isn't it kind of hard to get your head around that? Would you agree? All the things the Holy Spirit does, at least to me, I thought one day, if we could just sort of demonstratively sort of visualize this, and I came up with this idea and did it, and uh, we preached the first part of this uh, uh, a few weeks ago. So now I would like all of you, all of my friends who are coming into this sermon, you're going to help me with this sermon, give them a round of applause as you make your way up to the pl uh, platform right now. Let's clap for them. Here they come. If you were with us two weeks ago, you saw eight people behind me. This morning, 15. So uh, they're going to find their spots here, and I'm going to try to help them find their spot. You should know your spot if you, thought, you, you that were in the review category. All right, so, Omi, on your knees. You're gonna kneel, okay? You're gonna turn this way sideways, and London, you're gonna stand right here because, London, you're gonna play the role of the Holy Spirit. How cool is that? So don't mess this up, okay, honey? <laughs> All right, and John, you're gonna be the father, okay? So we got everybody, I think, in the right place. Otherwise, all right, so... These all represent the present active work or works of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you were with us last time, you know what they are, and uh, we're going to we're going to see how well you know what they are. I'll shout them out with you at the same time. Preston's out the end. The first thing we said, the Holy Spirit, what? Restrain. Oh man, well, how lame is that? He does what? He okay. So he restrains. We said in Second Thessalonians chapter two that he. The Holy Spirit of God is actually restraining evil until God takes him out of the way. That is, he's still omnipresent, but his, his impactful ministry of restraining evil is going to be taken out of the way. And if you think the, evil, the world is evil now, you haven't seen anything yet. When this day happens, it'll all hell breaks loose, okay? So he what, everyone? And he convicts. Now, I, I, I had to give, I mean, Jacob, I mean, it, it's a little more authority. The foot out, slam that foot, 
point that thing. I mean, he's very good. So what does he do, everyone? He what? He convicts. So the Bible tells us in John 16 that the Spirit of God has come to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Of sin, because they don't really believe in me. All right, so he restrains, convicts. Yeah, very good. You're, gonna, you're rocking a baby here, honey. All right, there we go. Very good, Sarah. So he regenerates. Say it together. He regen- word means to be born again, okay? So when you trust Jesus, you are born again. It's the Spirit of God who, what? Very good, regenerates. And then, what's he do? He baptizes, all right? All right so, so when you trust Jesus as your Savior, the Spirit of God is the one who places us into the body of Christ. That's what it means to baptize. It means to place into. And Paul tells us in Colossians 3, it's there where our life is hidden with Christ in God. Amen? That's a safe place to be. So the Spirit of God does what, everyone? Ready? He restrains convicts, regenerates, baptizes, and then he indwells. By the way, I got to tell you what we did in the first service. Yeah, isn't that precious? She's having a baby. Uh, But Rachel's played this position before, but we had another gal, Bree Hill, was playing this position two weeks ago. She was due the very next day to have a baby. Guess what? She had the baby. So she couldn't be here for indwelling. We moved her over here with the baby this morning, and he regenerates, causes you to be born again. How cool is that, huh? So, so, so Rachel, you're good just the way you are. He does what, everyone? He restrains, convicts, regenerates, baptizes, and indwells, all right? Next, what does he do, Dustin? You remember your spot? Yeah, he seals. Okay, he seals. Say it, everyone, he which we're told is the ministry by which he himself becomes the seal. And he's in our hearts. That's the guarantee. We talk about the seal of guarantee. That's what he does, according to Ephesians chapter 1. He's the guarantee that what God started, God will finish. He will take you to heaven if you have trusted him as your personal Lord and Savior. So when the Holy Spirit comes in, he, or the Holy, in the world he restrains, convicts, baptizes, indwells, and, and then we come to here. Karis, okay? What else, what's the next thing he does here? Okay, there it is. She's got a little crown on her head here. This is a halo, all right? So he sanctifies. So when you come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit sanctifies you. It's a big religious word, isn't it? It's also a Bible word. It just means to, to set apart. So that's where he sets us apart for God for, at the moment we get saved. But here's the deal. Sanctification is the first of the ministries that just keeps going. He continually sets us apart. This is where we would talk about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace. This is the Spirit of God. As he fills our life, he sets us apart for God, okay? You can always tell when somebody is sanctified just by the way they're living, right? So the Holy Spirit does what? He, everyone, restrains And then my friend who can only be here for a couple more weeks, okay? What's, 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 what, what role do you play? He, he fills, all right? Got to get a big guy for who likes to eat. That's my friend Hunter here. He fills us. This is what he does. When, when we walk with God, we're in his word. God is, when God is controlling us, the spirit of God is controlling us. 
And we, we should constantly be filled. When he fills us, that's not a given. In fact, that's why Moody said we have to stay under the faucet because we're all leaky vessels, right? So, that, so as we walk with God, this is our, we participate in this as he actually leads us. So one more time, because this is all review here. The Holy Spirit, everyone, loud and clear, he... And fills. Now, my patient one's here, okay? Now, London, you're gonna stand this way, honey, all right? There we go, okay, so, so this is, this, I need three individuals to illustrate. This is, he intercedes, say it, he intercedes, okay? So, let's first of all look at the scripture to prove, because did you know the Holy Spirit is an intercessor? Let's look at the scripture, here it is in Romans chapter eight. Here's what it says, Romans eight, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought. Can I get an amen? But the Spirit himself, that's our word, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Notice it's the Spirit making the groanings, not you and me. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit, and there it is again, intercedes for the saints according to, to the will of God. Now you know the Holy Spirit does what, everyone? He? Now here's what you gotta do. Okay, so, Omi, you're praying. So get your hands together like you're just a saintly little girl praying, okay? Okay, and so London, you're gonna take your hands like this and you're gonna kind of bend toward her a little bit like you're listening in and then you're gonna turn to John here and, and go like this, like you're presenting it to him. And John, you're gonna go, that's it. Pretty simple, right? Okay, let's, let's practice. Everybody say, he intercedes. Okay, and turn, and there you go. Very good. Now, now let's look at the verse again. I'm gonna put it up here again, tell you how fascinating this is. And this is gonna be, I am certain, the most encouraging thing many of you will take away today. I told you there are two words, intercedes, up there. They're not the same. The first word, intercedes, it's the only time it ever appears in the Bible. And it, listen to this, it literally means bending over. So picture the Holy Spirit bending over. Here is Omi praying. And if, I mean, let's just be honest for a minute. There are times when you're praying for that woman or that man or that kid or that job or that employee or that employer. You're praying for a lot of things and you just, you just get so befuddled and you don't know how to pray. You get you struggle in your prayer. Can I get an amen to that? I mean, we all struggle at times in prayer how to pray. And sometimes that causes it stymies us and we don't pray. And I'm here to tell you on the basis of this doctrine of the Spirit of God's intercession, stop doing that. Pray. Because the first word means to bend over, okay? The second word is even cooler. The second word is an antonym. It, if you're not an English major, you don't even have to be that. You know what an antonym is? It's an opposite. If I said, uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the word sin is the word harmartia. That's the Greek word. Does anybody know what the word sin means? That's it. I heard it. It means to miss the mark. When we sin, we miss the mark. You know what this word intercession means? It means to hit the mark, just the opposite. And so 
This is what's, I want to make sense of this. At times we pray, we struggle expressing ourselves. We don't know how to pray. So the Holy Spirit bends down, takes our prayer, takes them to the Father, and straightens them out, and he, it hits the mark every time. How cool is that? Every time. Now let me illustrate further. So when I was a, a very young dad, I had one daughter. She was three years old. And one day, she came up to her mom and I, and she said, she told us she'd made her bed. Well, we were anxious to see what this looked like. So she took us in the room. There's the actual picture. Her mom got the camera and took a picture of this. That's the bed. That's the first time she'd ever actually made the bed. Look how proud she looks. And, of course, we just, we went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over it, and we hugged her. And, and I was walking out of the room with Sarah, and I looked back, and I saw her mother doing this. And I thought to myself, that's exactly what the Spirit of God does to your prayers and mine. Because that's what our prayers look like. But the Spirit of God straightens them out so that they hit the mark. He bends over to take them from us. He gathers them in. He straightens them out. He turns them to the Father. And they are perfect. So listen to this. As J.I. Packer said, don't fret, just pray. God fixes our prayers on the way up. If he does not answer the prayer we made, he will answer the prayer we should have made. That is all anyone needs to know. And that makes intercession really cool. So pray, saint of God, pray. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Help me out. He what? He restrains. Very good. Now, so if you could be kind enough to actually speak up over here next time, that would be great, okay? We'd like to have everybody involved here, all right? Very, very good. All right, so, so the next one is going to be, um, we're going to be using, uh, oh, okay, we're going to be using Jordan here, okay? So Jordan, um, the, this is a really powerful ministry of the Holy Spirit, and I always like to have a girl do that because you're a nice-looking woman, and you, you look bright, and you love Jesus. I know that, right? Do you like to read your Bible? When you read the Bible, every once in a while, do you, do you ever read the Bible and go, oh, my goodness, I've never seen that before? Yes. Okay, so go like this and kind of tilt your head like, oh, you just, hey, you just learned something. That's it. Okay. He, here's the word. He illumines. Okay? Say it, everybody. He what? He illumines. Okay? That means exactly what you think it means. It means to throw light onto something. This is what God does. I was in an office one day, uh, eye doctor's office, and I saw on a plaque uh, with a quote on it, I just was arrested by it, from Marcel Prost, a, uh, a French novelist who wrote, the voyage of discovery is not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. And this is what the Spirit of God does when he saves you. He gives you new eyes. This is what David meant when he prayed for the powers of observation, when he said, Open thou my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your law. Right? And even Paul prayed for the Ephesians that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened. 
That is the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. And when God, the Holy Spirit, enlightens you through his word, it's yours. You can embrace it. These are what we call the, the rhemas of scripture. And you can embrace it for yourself. Adrian Rogers once said, whatever I can talk you into, somebody else can talk you out of. But what God talks you into is yours for life. Amen? So embrace that. What does the Holy Spirit do? Let's look at he what? Oh, now stop. Just stand up. Everybody just stand up because you are really being kind of lame right now, okay? <laughs> Not all of you, but seriously. Stretch your legs and shout out with me these as you'll remember them. Ready? He restrains. Very good. You may be seated, all right? Thank you. Thanks for letting me tease you. Give you a bad time. So, okay, so, okay, so Z, this is what we're going to do. You are, you are a guide. So you're going to put your hand on Jordan's shoulder, and you're just going to go like this. Can you do that? Very good. <laughs> He's pretty good, isn't he? So he what? Say it, everybody. He guides. Okay. So let's let's find some scripture on this to see if it's true. Uh, but before we do that, many of you know that one of my life verses is in Genesis 24, where it says, as for me, being on the way, the Lord led me. I love that. As for me, that's personal. Being on the way, that's experiential. The Lord led me. That's spiritual. That's what I want. That's what I want my life to demonstrate. And if God is leading us, it's the Holy Spirit so doing. And Jesus affirmed this in John chapter 16 and verse 12 when he said to his disciples, I've got so many other things I want to say to you, but you can't bury them. You can't handle them. You can't take them in now because they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all what? Truth. The spirit of God and the truth of God in the word of God help the person of God walk the walk of God. That's what the Spirit of God does. And by the way, he doesn't just order your starts, he orders your stops. Sometimes we think of the Holy Spirit just telling us, go this way, go this way, go this way. But if you're walking with God, the Spirit of God will tell you, stop, stop doing that. Stop going that direction. In Acts chapter 16, we have that where the missionaries were getting ready to go, Paul and company, and they wanted to go here. The Spirit of God said, no. They wanted to go over here. The Spirit of God said no. And then there was this vision of this man from Macedonia. He said, come over here and help us out. And that was when the Spirit of God said, go. He didn't just say no, or go, rather. He says no as well. You need to be listening for his stops as well as his starts. In 1997, I was a much younger version of myself and apparently more marketable because a bunch of people wanted me to be their pastor. And I was looking into all of it, you know, listening, interviewed a couple times, but the Spirit of God would just kept saying, no, 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 alluring, but no. And then Sailorville Church came, and I sensed his go. The Spirit of God wants to what? Guide us. Let's do it again. What does he do, everyone? Loud and clear. He...
Wow. Zaya, you got kind of serious on that a little bit. That was good. That was good. That was really good. Okay. So, uh, so the Spirit of God, by the way, one more thought. The Spirit of God leads by the Word of God. He is the author of Scripture, right? And so never untether yourself from God's Word because then you're going to go off on all kinds of tangents and get into all that weird stuff that people attribute to the Holy Spirit that has nothing to do with him. It's actually blasphemy, in my opinion. But sometimes when you're hurting, and everybody here has been hurt, some of you have been hurt more deeply than others. When you're hurting, you need the ministry of his comfort. And so, this is your job, Isaac. Right here. You're going to comfort your buddy, okay? All right, there it is. I like it. That's, like, that's pretty good. Looks a little too cozy, but it does look good. At any rate, uh, so say it every, he does what? He, he comforts, okay? So this is where we get this word that not a lot of, a lot of people who don't know Greek know some Greek words, like, like the word parakletos, kind of a cool word. Para means beside, and kaleo means uh, to call. So the idea is it's the one who's called alongside to help. Sometimes that word is translated helper, as it is in the ESV. Sometimes it's translated comforter. Either way, it is God comforting us. Here it is in John chapter 14, Jesus talking to us. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, by the way, that means another of the exact same kind, helper or comforter, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of God is our parakletos. He is our comforter. I remember when uh, I was when I was a, uh, a widower, and uh, the first several weeks I slept on the couch and I, I cried a lot in my sleep. It wasn't like like whiny, but just I just the tears would flow. And I remember after several nights I felt I remember literally audibleizing, and I sat up on the couch, and I said, Nemers, get a hold of yourself. And I sensed, I didn't hear it audibly, but I sensed God speak to my heart and say, I know you're a mess, but I haven't gone anywhere. I'm still with you. I'm still with you. And that was the Spirit of God comforting me. And I know that there are times in our lives where the closest person to you cannot bring you comfort. Your spouse can't bring you comfort. Your best friend can't bring you comfort. Your kids can't bring you comfort. And we need all of these things. But God has designed his parakletos, his helper, his comfort, his Holy Spirit, to be the one who goes where no one else will and comforts as no one else can. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. We, none of us can comfort in every way, right? But God can. And so we say the Holy Spirit does what? He comforts. Let's do it again. The Holy Spirit does what, everyone? Restrains. Very good. And now my son gets the last one. Noah, I want you to put your hands like this.
and just like you're offering something, okay? He, and we're gonna say it together, he gives gifts. Say it, he gives gifts. Now this is, this is the, uh, the characteristic, the attribute, the, the, the function, the activity of the Holy Spirit that we could spend many, many weeks on and probably should at another time. But uh, we can't do it now, we can just say he gives gifts and here is the, the, the scriptural premise for that. 1 Corinthians 12, 10, this is powerful. All these spiritual gifts are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one, watch this, individually as he wills. By the way, students of the Bible and students of theology, that's a backdoor proof text to the deity of the Holy Spirit. Because God is sovereign, means he can do it. He's the one who makes decisions on his own. Doesn't say as Jesus wills, doesn't say as the Father wills, as he himself wills. The Holy Spirit wills to give good gifts for us to be able to serve God and build up the body of Christ and evangelize the world. So we say that he gives gifts. Okay, I mean, he himself is a gift, right? We're told that in John 14, 15. He's also a gift giver. So uh, just a couple of slides here. Here are the four passages in the Bible where you find list of gifts. So you can see by looking at that, I mean, this looks like a, a six-month series of messages, doesn't it? There they all are. Now, if you're Jason Jackson, you look at this and you turn it into a ca to categories, Speaking, serving, signing. And these, this is where they all fall. This is God who gives us his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit does what, everyone? He gives gifts, right? So, one more time, loud and clear, from the beginning, everyone's voices, the Holy Spirit. Let's give it up for all of our helpers here. Thank you, you can go back to your seats now. Let's, uh, uh, another round of applause for Omi who stayed on her knees the entire time. Thank you, all of you. There is a lot of logistics going on here. Just as we sort of wrap things up here, how do you know what your gift is? That's the question everybody wants to know, right? How do I know what my gift is? Well, you gotta go to a class. You gotta take a module, you gotta do something. That's just foolishness. Now, I'm not, no, don't get me wrong, I'm sure they're helpful. But that's not what's necessary. I think it's a lot easier than you think. The problem is, the knowledge is easier. What you have to do with that knowledge, maybe not so easy. You've heard me quote this many times, some of you, but it's Jesus' words in John 14. Here's what he said. He who has my commandments and keeps them or obeys them, he's the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him. And I will disclose, manifest, show, reveal myself to him. That's a cool verse, isn't it? That's all you gotta do. You have to know Jesus, and some of you don't. 
You've never repented of your sin. You need to come back to, he convicts. And you're convicted by the fact that Christ died for your sin and rose again and you've heard it all your life, but you've never really, you've never repented of your sin. You've never turned to Jesus. You've never received him as your savior and the evidence is all over your life. That's not true. You need to, that's where you need to stop right there. Repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus. For those of you who have, it's as simple as loving him back. Somebody once said, love God and do whatever you want. Sounds pretty radical. But if you love God, doing whatever you want will be doing what he wants. And when you do what he wants, he manifests himself to you. And part of that manifestation, and by the way, the word is used in Romans 12, which means to be held to a light in reference to the spirit giving gifts. That manifestation just comes out. You can see it. It's there through a dedicated life. That's how you'll know how you, where your gifts are. And, and then ask yourself, what are other people saying to me? What are they seeing in me? Remember that old um, classic picture of Pentecost and the tongues of fire were over their heads? And this might sound kind of silly, so bear with me just a moment. But if you had a tongue of fire over your head, could you see it? Go like this. Others could. Like, What's that tongue of fire over your head for? It'd be kind of weird. What am I saying? I'm saying that there's almost a picture here of how the body of Christ is so powerful and so useful and so necessary to your life. You need the people of God to look at your life and say, I see this gift in you. You have the gift of mercy. You have the gift of service. You have the gift of helps. You have the gift of administration. You have the gift of leadership. You have the gift of evangelism. And then if somebody says that to you, then lean into it. Don't just ignore it. I mean, they're not perfect. It, it, it could be that they're mistaken, but if you have two or three people saying the same thing that are in the body of Christ, that's God, the Holy Spirit at work, identifying that giftedness in you. Lean into it. And furthermore, when you see God's gift, when you see that tongue of fire, figuratively speaking, in somebody's life, you point that out. You're really good at this and encourage them to use their gift because we're told repeatedly, you're gifted, use your gift. So a walk through the Holy Spirit. I'll finish with this. Just the other day, I worked with a couple of guys that I've been working with, and we were looking at the story of Elijah, the great electrifying prophet. Remember him calling the fire down from heaven and smoking all the, you know, the, the offering and killing all the prophets of Baal and then ran from Jezebel. Remember that? He's on the run because... Ahab's wife says, I'm going to kill him by the end of the day. So he's running. He's on a mountain, and God meets with him. Remember the story? There's this tornadic wind, and then the line, but God wasn't in the wind. And then there's this consuming fire. God wasn't in the fire. Then there's this rattling earthquake. Once again, God's not in the earthquake. And then a still, small voice. 
And I shared with my friends, that's what I want you. Don't be looking for the next experience, the next heebie-jeebie, the next, you know, you know, tingle that you get. And we all like the tingles, right? Listen to the still, small voice of God. As you open up your Bible, experience the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit to show you the truth from God. And he speaks to you and gives you a rhema, a, a word that's like, oh, my goodness, I so needed that. That's what you do in your walk with God. It's that story in mind. About 20 years ago, I was in a conference, and Mac Brunson was the pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, one of the biggest churches in America. And he had just become the pastor, and he succeeded the great W.A. Criswell. W.A. Criswell was one of the greatest preachers of the last 100 years. Pastored the church for over 50 years. I'm not going for that long, just to let you know. Just, he just so admired Criswell. And Brunson said every Sunday after he'd preach, he'd go over to Dr. Criswell's home. And Dr. Criswell would say, was anybody saved today? How many souls were saved today? And they would talk about what God was doing in their midst. And Brunson was so enamored with the power and the spiritual filling of God, the Holy Spirit, in the life of that old man that was dying. He left him one day. That is, Brunson left Criswell's home. As he walked out the door, he looked up to God and he said, God, would you give me a double portion of W.A. Criswell's spirit? He was thinking about Elijah because if you remember the story of Elijah, he goes and meets Elisha, throws the mantle on him. On the day that Elijah would be taken up into that chariot, Elisha's right next to him, and they're running into all these prophets. You know, your buddy, your mentor is leaving. Shut up! And they just keep on going, right? Until it's about time. And uh, Elisha says to Elijah, can I have a double portion of your spirit? Remember that? Elijah said, well, if you see me, if you see me depart, you'll get it. That's what happened. That was what was on Mac Brunson's mind when he walked out of Criswell's home that day and said, would you give me a double portion of W.A. Criswell's spirit? And he walked through the yard and came to the picket gate, opened it up. He sensed the Lord speak to him and say, nope, but I'll fill you with mine. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And Lord, forgive me if this was silly in some way and don't want it to be dishonoring to you. I pray that this has been helpful to your people to see the multifaceted ministries of the Spirit of God demonstrated in the way we did today. We thank you for restraining evil. We thank you for convicting people of sin by using your word and your Holy Spirit. And I pray for those who are here in our midst right now, Lord, who have never trusted Jesus. Their life is a sham, but they're convicted right now. 
and that person, I pray, would just humble their heart and be saved. Thank you for placing us safely into the body of Jesus and dwelling us, sanctifying us, filling us, interceding for us and straightening out all these bumbling prayers of ours. Thank you, Lord, for illuminating us, guiding us, comforting us, and gifting us so that the body of Christ would be encouraged and grow and the world would be evangelized and that you would be honored. We do want to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.